Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Karen Damal. She is a multi-award-winning author. Blah! Let's try that again. See? I got it in my head. Now I'm <laughs> All right. Intro take two. <laughs> Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Karen Damal. She is a multi-award-winning author, a speaker, and an empowerment expert specializing in loss and trauma. Welcome, Karen. It's lovely to have you here. How are you I doing I am today? doing fantastic. I'm so excited to be here. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> it has. We connected yeah. quite a while ago, so it's nice to finally have you here. And I'm looking forward to and anxious to jump in and share all the beautiful light that you shine out into ah, the world through the work you. you do. So with that being said, let's get started. So I would love to know, first off, how long have you been an empowerment? So I probably got into it about 17 years ago. I'd finished my studies for accounting. And then thought, okay, what am I going to do now? Because I, I studied while I was working full time. So it was 10 years getting my degree yeah. in CPA. Yeah. And then it was like, ah, oh, all this time. So then I started going down <laughs> things that interest me and then it got further and further down the rabbit hole of loving learning about the mindset. So, yeah. yeah, so 17 years. <laughs> So the accounting's gone out the uh, window? No, because I still use that because I help people obviously understanding their finances when they're in business. And right, I still right. do help out people and I still do have a bit of a, a job doing some accounting work as well. So it's hard letting everything go. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now, I love and I find it very interesting that you chose and use the title of expert as opposed mm. to coach. What was the logic or thinking behind that decision? Why did you choose expert over coach? I think... Coaches, there's so many coaches out there and also niching down to a particular area because that is my story, that is the work I love doing, is expert just sort of, I think, lets people know that you get them more than just a coach. You're not just this general thing. So I have so many different modalities that I can work with and I do have those skills, but I really like working with the mindset and actually helping them pull apart the issues that have been going on from that's been holding them back. And so experts just seem to fit better. Yeah. I would love to hear your thoughts then on the coaching industry as a whole. Through many conversations that I've had with multiple women who work in the industry as coaches, some of them, like yourself, don't like using the word coach. Now, maybe the reasoning behind that thought process is different, but they prefer to use words like guide or mentor or export because of the bad rep, in part, that the coaching industry is getting because of all this stuff that's going on, people promising six-figure jobs in six months and all of this other shit. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And then I want to share something with you after 
I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, though. I'll then I'll share sure. my thoughts. So, I mean, coaching nowadays, there's so many people that, as you see, on 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 social media talking about coaching and, and seven figures, and it's like, oh yeah, they've probably been in the business for a month. And <laughs> I think the industry is not checked to make sure people are getting the qualifications. So people may go out and do a short coaching course and then call themselves a coach. Now, I don't mind calling myself a coach. That's not a problem. I think it also comes down okay. to you have to work with the right person, whether they call themselves a coach, an expert. Yeah. And that right person might be right for someone else, but not right for, for you. So you've got to actually really, when you talk to someone who you're going to start working with, make sure they're a right fit mm. for you. And the same way is when I work with someone, I have to make sure they're a right fit for me. And I think when you do that, you're actually going to connect with the right person who can help you through, whether they're an expert, whether they're a coach, whether they've only had one week's experience. If you connect with them and they can actually help you, then they're the right person for you. Well said. I had a woman tell me the other day, we were talking about this type of thing, and she uses the word mentor instead of coach. And she explained it to me, and it makes a lot of sense the way she explained it. She used to play soccer when she was a kid. And she said, you have your coach who has the knowledge, has played the game. We're using soccer as the mm -hmm. analogy here. She played the game, but she stands on the sideline and gives you the instruction from there, whereas a mentor is on the field with right. you, guiding you and helping you and supporting you. So I thought that was a very interesting analogy and way of looking at it. I never yeah. thought about that. And it is true because the coach is actually guiding you as well. But I believe yeah. mm -hmm. that they're all, all, the, all of them are actually interrelated. Experts, mentors, yeah. uh, whatever words you put on it, if they're the right person for you, yeah. they will be guiding you. They won't just be telling you what to do. They'll actually be helping you find the answers within. And that's what a mentor does as well too. A yeah. mentor, accounting mentors, and I've been a mentor for accounting yeah. as well. So that it's all about knowledge. It's all about your experience. And no matter what your title is, it's the same. Really? Well, that's it, right? A, a title is just yeah. a fucking word anyway. So I mean, really, it really comes down to what you said is if you resonate yeah. with them and they resonate with you and you can yeah. help them, let's right. work together. That's it. It doesn't matter yeah. what the fuck I call myself, whether it's a coach, an expert, yeah. a mentor, a guide, whatever it is. And it I've never matter. been caught on labels. I remember even when I was the first couple of years of working and I had a title and they said, I'm going to take your title away. And I said, were well, you going to reduce my salary? They said, no. And I said, okay, I don't care. Take the fucking title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So exactly. as long as you connect with someone and you feel good about what you're doing, they feel good working with you, they can call me their friend, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I think these days it's about the marketing as well too, getting your name out there, getting people to tr yeah. like and trust you. But that doesn't come with a title anyway. That comes with putting yourself out there, helping people, people connecting with you on social media. If you're doing it on social media or if it's out in just the, yeah. the world, then doing it that way. So it all just yeah. comes down to your personality and who you match with. Exactly. Karen, what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do? That would have to be the women I work with. Seeing their faces transform, because I do a lot of my work on Zoom. So I see from the start of a session to the end of a session, what they've sort of said that the problem was. And then at the end of the session, they say, what problem? And the smile on their face is what sort of drives me. It's absolutely amazing. Or have somebody tell you later, oh, this happened and oh, I was able to have this conversation because the work we did together. Thank you. So, thank you. Thank you. You know? Yeah. What is your definition of an empowerment expert? And what do you do in the work with your clients as an empowerment expert? So I believe empowering is actually the person getting the answer within. 
I can tell someone till the horse has bloody come home that you are amazing, you are the best thing since sliced bread. But unless that comes from within, I am amazing, I am the best thing since sliced bread, you're not going to believe it. So empowering is actually yeah. empowering that woman to find the answers within. So the processes I do is actually having their eyes closed and they're I'm talking to them, but they're coming back with their answers. Yeah. It's just when that comes from there, it actually aligns everything, especially for women, because we actually attach emotions to everything we do. So when we can let go of those emotions, those fears, we can then start to believe ourselves. So empowerment is actually empowering them to find the answers within. You're right. I mean, I think about my daughters who were both bullied when they were kids and it still affects them. And my wife and I have talked about this. We can tell them till we're blue in the face how beautiful they are, how limitless they are, how incredible they are. But if they don't believe it, it doesn't make a fucking difference. What we say, even being their parents, it does not make a damn difference. If they do not believe it, it doesn't matter. And those traumas that they've been through as bullying, they're going to have made beliefs about themselves because of that. And until they can transform those beliefs into something different. I like to sort of say find the gift in things, find the gifts in things that happen. Mm-hmm. Then you can actually let yeah. it go and get a new perspective move from forward. it so you can actually move forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why did you decide to focus your energy and business on helping to empower women? And did this journey for you begin with some of your own yeah, personal definitely. struggles? I first found self-development when I went to a, a two-day weekend, self-development weekend, and I would, came out of there, I think I cried twice. I couldn't find my therapist and all that <laughs> stuff. And then it was like, my God, what is this? And I, I was a psycho. I went back for another week of it. <laughs> and within that week, there was like some real transformations, and then I hired a coach. So it was through working that, through with a coach, I'd already dabbled in energy sort of stuff, in the stuff I was learning. Then it was like, oh, my God, so I wanted to learn more and then went down the kinesiology and NLP and timeline hypnosis and create tricks, all these different things. But it was that, my God, you can change so much within a week. You can transform how you feel, how you see. So then it was – I'd always been told I should have been – a therapist or something like that because people find me calming, people find me easy to talk to. And it just kind of I fell in my lap. I decided just going down that track. Can you share a little bit about your yeah, personal sure. journey and struggles that you went so through? So I was very young. At the age of 10, my father died of cancer and I didn't understand he was sick. I wasn't allowed to go to his funeral. It was not that I wasn't allowed to. Mum thought it was safer or better for me not to go. And she was doing the best thing for me. And then... But I was devastated because I'd lost the one person I really loved, my father. So then life went on. Mum met another amazing man. At the age of 15, he died. He just died in his sleep. Oh, my god! So my mother was grieving, as you can imagine. We were yeah. grieving. But my mum decided she got in her head, I understand now, she got in her head she needed to separate so that if something happened to her, we would be okay. So she moved up to the country and I stayed in Sydney. And at 15, I was living first off with my brother, but he struggled. So he moved back up, up to the country with mum. But I stayed in Sydney because I was the strong one. <laughs> By yourself at 15. Sorry? By yourself yeah, at yeah. 15. So mum paid wow. my rent and all that sort of thing. And then um, I got a job and I was at 18. I said, I'll pay my own rent. So it was very much, 
I bet at 15, it was amazing. I was just panker. Yeah. I could go out drinking. I was smoking. I could do whatever I wanted. No one was around us tell you no. <laughs> and I don't know how I got into pubs, but I did at the age of 15. Because in, in Australia, we're 18, you can drink. I think in America, that's 21. Yeah, we were getting into pubs and lots of stuff. So I thought it was amazing. But looking back now, how I formed who I was based on that, what's wrong with me? Nobody loves me. Everybody leaves me. There's something wrong with me. So... Mm. Once I've started doing the self-development, then you start seeing the patterns I was causing in my life due to those beliefs that I'd formed at such a young age. Because even not being able to go to my father's funeral, there's this belief. All my, all my school friends were there as part of the thing, but I was not there. So it was like, why was I not allowed to be at my dad's funeral? Yeah. So yeah. once I sort of came through that, and that sort of brought on beliefs that like I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough because I left school at 15 as well. So I thought I was dumb. I thought I was stupid. Doing my accounting degree kind of changed that. I was like, oh, I'm actually not dumb. <laughs> but yeah, the self-development world really transformed and made me understand why I do what I do, why I sabotage, why I have these emotions. And I don't think I even allowed myself to grieve back then as well, because I think I was always the caring one, thought about other people's emotions and worried about mum and worried about my brother. That's a lot of responsibility for a 15-year-old kid. I mean, even a 17, 18-year-old kid is still a hell of a lot of responsibility to be the caregiver for mm. your mother, your brother. You had to mm. grieve yourself. You mm. lost your father. Yes, of course, it's very, very different. Your mom lost her husband. And that's a totally different grieving process and a totally different loss. But you... And your brother lost your father, but you still had to be yeah. the caregiver. That's and a lot a baby, of responsibility on the shoulders of yeah. a kid. And so I don't wow. think mum meant so to do it that way. It's just basically, yeah, no, she was doing what she needed happened, to do. So right? She did the best with the yeah. tools And that I she understood had. that as well too at that young age. I understood that very much. So mm. I think I was a bit of an old soul at the same time. But Yeah, because I'm sure a lot of younger kids would have been mm. pissed off. It's like, what the fuck? Why is yeah. this all on me? I'm a kid yeah. still. And they would be acting out and all of the other shit yeah. that goes along with that. So how then have these experiences helped shape the Karen you are today, both personally and professionally? So today? that makes me be very resilient. It makes me see the gift in life. I'm a girl half full kind of girl. So <laughs> I just always get in trouble with my friends. You know, why do you always see the other side of things? Can't you just let me whinge? And it's like, okay, fine, whinge. <laughs> when I would be defending other people. <laughs> So it makes me be the person to understand what other people are going through. So when I'm actually working with someone, I have the ability to understand, okay, this decision you've made is because of what's happened back here. And once you can actually let that go, then you can change your life. So it just helps me be a better coach, I believe. And I coach or expert, whatever you want to label it. It just yeah. helps me get them so that they can move on. And it helps them sort of connect with me as well too. So they understand that I've been Yeah, because you, it's, it's, there's that relatability yeah. factor. Yeah. What would you say was the biggest or most valuable takeaway or lesson from you, for you from your experiences? It would have to be understanding the gift in, in anything that happens, whether it be a bad thing or a good thing. A bad thing can be a gift. So I've just been, recently been through a cancer journey and they took out neck muscles, took out collarbones, all this sort of stuff. And it was very much the whole time I saw it as a gift of being able to help other people who have been through cancer. Went down and did another course on specific hypnosis for cancer so that I could actually help people. So it makes you not feel sorry for yourself, basically, when you can sort of get through this, know that you're strong 
and that you can help other people because you can help them see that they can be strong. That is a massive mindset shift. It takes a lot to shift into that. But, you know, I believe every single situation, like you said, no matter if it's bad or good, we'll use the bad ones as an example. Every situation, let's even use COVID as an example. There is a silver lining in every single situation. And there's a lesson to be learned there too. You just have to look for it, dig down and find it. But there is always a positive to take away from it. But it takes a lot of mental strength. When I look at COVID, we were, God was going through radiation. So we got to drive to radiation every day with no traffic. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So if if you can actually look for that gift, it can transform Mm -hmm. how you think, which then transforms how you react to things. You know, the people who over-emotionalize, overreact, it's because of things they've experienced and they haven't actually found the gift in things. They're in the world that the world's out to get them. So if you can transform that and change that, you can see things differently and then you feel differently, which makes you live life the way you've always dreamed, like you were when you were a little girl or a little boy. You were born into this world with these amazing gifts and then we've just been tainted or allowed things that have our experience to taint that and we need to go back and find that little girl again to know that we are perfect just the way we are. We are all sent here with gifts and it is our duty and our responsibility, I believe, to share those gifts with the world. The gifts aren't for you. They're for everyone else in the world. It's not about you. It is so much bigger than you. And you are not to be denying the world of those gifts. That is your duty on this planet to share it with the world so that they can benefit from it. When you shift that mindset, when you get into that headspace where you're seeing the gifts and everything, that also ripples out and gives people, it's a permission slip for others to say, hey, wait a minute, Karen, look at how she's reacting to this. If she can do it, so can I. And look at the difference that makes. And you don't even have to be... You know, your gift has to be for the whole world. It can be just for your kids. It can be just for that yes. one person in your life that you fall in love with. Your world. Exactly. Your world. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. when you're yeah. doing the work that we do, when you're being seen, you'll have people following you and then a year later go, oh, my God, you know, I, I need to know what you're doing. I need to work with you. So that's where you need to show up and actually show the world who you are. And to do that, you also show have to. Show up and correct. shine. But to do that, you also have to work through your stuff as well too. And that's just one thing you said about coaching. A lot of people don't work on themselves. They become a coach and stop, go, okay, I've done all the work. It never stops. It never stops. You've always got to, as you hit a glass ceiling and you actually start to push through that, you need to do work on yourself to actually allow yourself to get through that. But we're human beings. We're constantly evolving and growing. So that work is never done. You never reach the end. There is no end. It's a journey. Yeah. Now, obviously, when we speak about empowerment, self-love is going to automatically be brought into this conversation. So in your opinion, I'd love to know what your thoughts are. What is the difference between self-love and self-care? Unless you self-love, you're not going to do the self-care. The self-care is the action. So unless you love yourself, which sometimes can be bloody hard, unless you do that, then you'll sort of just dabble in the self-care. You'll actually, you know, I need to do this a bit more. So you do it for like a week and then go back to giving to everybody else (laughs) rather than to yourself. And you think other things are more important. So you have to love yourself first. But unfortunately, a lot of people's experiences that they've had 
prevent them from loving themselves. So they have to start somewhere. So the first thing is acceptance. Accept yourself. Sometimes it's very hard to say they love themselves because of what they've been through. So accept. I love that. I love it. Self-acceptance. I've had quite a few conversations as of late around this whole topic of self-love and the importance of it and the fact that everything, absolutely everything starts from here within us. We are the foundation. The foundation of self is where everything starts. And we're often told that because of conditioning and whatnot, we're taught to believe that self-care, self-love, these things are selfish. Of course, that's not true. Nothing could be further from the truth. But with all that being said, what are a couple of tips and or takeaways that listeners can implement immediately to start their journey into that mm. self-love? Obviously, the first step is accept yourself. Second step is forgive yourself because there's a lot of things that we think that we've done wrong and all those sort of things and then we're not worthy of love and whatever the case may be. So accept, forgive, <laughs> and then imagine looking at yourself in a mirror and just telling yourself, I accept, I love myself. But you need to feel it. You know, I love mirror work and I love all those sort of things. But just look in the mirror and actually saying it and not believing it. You have to actually really feel it in your body. Eyeball yourself in the mirror when you're doing it. And another thing I like to do is I like to teach people anchoring. Whatever you've been through, there's always been a time in your life where you have felt loved or where you have felt accepted. Maybe it was your best friend or your mother or your husband. Whatever the case may be, there's always some part where you've kind of allowed that to happen. If you can remember that and actually get yourself into a time where you feel it in your whole body, and as you're doing that, as you're feeling that love, you're feeling the warmth, you're feeling amazing about yourself, just anchor it somewhere, like touch your ear or tap it, or put it on your knuckle or something like that. I like to do a power pose as well too, and then <laughs> like superwoman, and just really sort yeah. of bring that back in, embody that back into your body so that whenever you need to bring that back again, the more you anchor it, you can touch that spot afterwards and feel that feeling come back. So it's a really powerful thing to, especially if you're in a time where you're feeling a bit down and you need that boost, by doing that, it just allows you to bring that feeling back into your body and then it allows you to feel loved again. Beautiful. Thank you for that and those tips. I appreciate that. I would like to speak a little bit about your specific areas of focus around empowerment, which are mm-hmm. loss and trauma. What are some common misconceptions about loss and trauma and how do you help individuals overcome those yeah. misconceptions? A lot of people think trauma is this has to be this big, big, big thing. Trauma is something that is traumatic to them. It can be as little as being told something when they were a child that they actually interpreted to be something. And it's traumatic for them because as they've grown up, they've actually formed a belief about it. So trauma does not have to be this big, big thing that, and there are some big traumas, don't get me wrong, but it's what is traumatic to you. So if it causes you issues, it causes you problems, then it's a trauma for you. You know, the loss of of, of a pet, it could be whatever you love that you've lost. And see, some people think, oh, my loss is is more than yours. No, it's how you feel about it and what it does to you. And you have to go through the emotions of grieving all that stuff, no matter what it is, so that you can actually move through to come through the other side. Like Chinese medicine, you have to go through the cycles to actually release. You have to go through the sadness to get to anger, to get to the happiness. And if you don't move through those cycles then you can't let it go. So it doesn't have to be anything big. It just has to be whatever's traumatic to you. And Yeah, because your trauma, something that's yeah. traumatic to you may Correct. not be traumatic to yeah. me. We're, we're human beings and yeah. we're different. We're unique. So 
And we're also connected by our experiences. So someone who's had a pretty good childhood and then they lose someone in adulthood, they can really sort of feel the loss more than someone. So I can, having lost someone so young, if when people pass away now, I kind of, ah, I don't feel it as strongly as someone who's just lost someone, but it still comes back to bite me when I'm watching sad movies. (laughs) (laughs) How and why is empowerment important in the healing process of individuals who have experienced loss Mm. and trauma? So this is where I talk about everything has to come from the inside. So when someone's going through loss or someone's going through trauma, they need to actually go through that at the time. When it comes to a point where, and there is no time limit of when they can actually stop grieving, but if it comes a time where they're feeling like their life is stuck because they're stuck in the grief, that's when they need to maybe do something about the beliefs that those things are formed. So it is very much go through the process, allow yourself to actually grieve, allow yourself to feel that pain, and then move through so that you can actually then live your life but then you may have to look at what's been formed, which is causing you to sabotage and causing you to not live the life that you thought you were going to. Can you discuss any specific tools or techniques that you use to help your clients work through feelings of grief, anger, or maybe other, mm-hmm. some other difficult emotions? So it depends on where they are. If they're at the time where they're still in the grief here now, then it's actually working with them to actually let that grief out. If they get stuck in a particular emotion, in kinesiology, you can get them to make sounds or go and punch something. And it's amazing how that can actually make you feel when you actually get through. Because if you get stuck in sadness, you need to move into the anger to actually let that go. But only if they're ready to go into that anger stage. So then right. you can go get them to punch into a punching bag or punch into a pillow. Or It was interesting. I went to a meditation retreat weekend the other week and I had to sort of push in to pillows I did the same thing because I couldn't punch because of my arm so we did I pushed the old I pushed this guy over I was screaming and letting that out because when you scream and when you let that sound out it's so thrilling you know it can just change how you how your body feels so that's what you need to do you need to cry you need to scream you need to do whatever it is to let that emotion through so if you're in it right now that's what you need to do and then as you go through Afterwards, and you find that your life is being stuck because you're holding on to it, but it's been a while, then we need to actually look at what it is that's holding you back. And then we go into a process where I get them to actually transform those emotions and get the learnings of what they could do to go back to reset themselves back to where they were, type thing, the, the beliefs and the emotions so they let they go. Yeah. And emotions are meant to be felt. We're, we're meant to feel them. Yes. They're there for a reason. But the problem is when someone holds on to something for weeks and days and even years, they're stopping themselves from living their life. So when they transform those emotions and that through their learnings, they will still feel it, but they won't feel it and hold on to it for years and days and months. You know, things will come back just with a fight with your husband or your wife, just because of something happened through your trauma. So when you can actually let that get that learnings on that, then you don't overreact in that time. How do you address the stigma surrounding mental health and seeking support after experiencing loss or trauma? I think these days mental health gets a a lot more support. So Mm -hmm. I don't think there is as much a stigma to actually go and get help these days because there's so many organisations out there talking about it on the media and that is important. But it all comes down to the person of how they feel. You know, 
if they've always been brought up to be the strong one, if they've always thought up to be, they've got to you know push down those emotions, they can't do it, then of course they won't go and get the help. So it's a matter of the people have to find someone that they can talk to, whether it be their best friend or a family member or a priest or find themselves a coach or an expert. It just needs to be someone that they trust. And when they do that, they're more likely to be able to not get stuck in it. And, of course, there are problems, there are times where you do need to go to the doctors and get medication as well. There's no right, right, right or wrong way to deal with it. They have to actually find the way that works for them. And no matter what anyone else says, everything has to come from within. So if they decide that for them it's best to go to a doctor, no matter what I say or what you say is going to change that, that's what they've got to do. That's right. How do you balance providing support and guidance with allowing individuals to have agency and autonomy in their healing journey? That's because what I do is allow them to find the answers within. As I say, I keep kind of on about this because it is, to me, unless it comes from within, all I can do is guide them to actually find those answers. So that's how they get the autonomy because I might push them. If they're saying, oh, say someone wants to work on something, their habits, I may have to coach them, yeah, okay, promise me this week you're going to do this, but it's still up to them to do it. I can't make them change that. But when they find the answers within, then they choose to do the things that they want to do. And it has to be their choice because I can't beat them into doing something. I can't beat them into saying, I'm not going to do that again, or I'm not going to change who I am. They need to actually make that choice because for one, no one's going to come to a coach or a, a expert unless they're willing to make the changes. But if they're looking for someone to do it for them, I won't work with them. So they've got to commit to me that they want to make the changes and they're willing to play 100% to actually get it. So it has to be them doing that. It has to come from within. Really, there's no point in them working with a right. coach or an expert. If they're not going to do the work, what's the point? You're wasting your money. And you know what I found very interesting too is a lot of the coaches I've been speaking with in the last little while will tell me that, if that's the case with a potential client, it's not about the money. They don't care. I don't want your money. If you're not willing to put in the work, let's just stop right here. We're not moving any further because I don't want your money. It's not yeah. about the money. And I think that is incredible. And that speaks to who these women are as human beings, but also Correct. as coaches. I think it's commendable. I think that's incredible because there are so many people out there who just, I don't give a yeah. shit. Just give me your money. And, and- up to you whether you do the and work that's, or not. Uh, but if, if, if you've come into this business to help people, you're not doing that if you're doing it just exactly. for the money. That's, that means we're trying to help yourself, not them. Yes, and even exactly. even the, the exactly. modality I, I actually work with just for women, There's I've got one that I only work with women on. I'm only licensed to work with women with because it's, it's designed to be mm-hmm. specifically for women because we have different brains. And we vet them so well to make sure they are in the place that I guarantee that they will have the thing that they want or I give them their money back because I actually check wow. that through the process that they are getting the changes. So there's certain things that they sign off and there's certain things that we do through the process for me to know. But, yeah, I guarantee with the money-back guarantees. That's why I love it because I know I'm 120% confident that they will get the change. And invested. Yeah, they're invested. And if it means that if they're not invested as I thought they were, that means I didn't do my betting right when I was talking to them to make sure that they were in the right place. That's incredible. And- that speaks volumes as yeah. to who you are. Yeah. Love it. Love it. I love it. I love yeah. that process. Seeing the woman, this is one of the processes where I do a Zoom with them in two hours where they are there to where they are here. And they're like, what? 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 That was no problem. <laughs> 
I want to speak a little bit about your journey into the world of being a multi award winning <laughs> author. I'd love to speak about that. First of all, what does that title or those accolades of being a multi award winning author mean to you on a personal level? Does it carry much weight with you, or is it just a nice to have or a feather? It was in nice the cap? to have a feather in the cap. I mean, basically, it gives the book wow factor like, wow, my God, I can't believe, you know, when we got the first award, it was like, oh, we got it, we got it. By the 10th one, it was like, oh, guess what? We've won another award. <laughs> yeah, it was very exciting, but it was, it's just, it is, it's like a title. It yeah. gives it, you know, that there's experts out there that actually think it's great. The people went through the awards people, but they're not the people suffering the problem of binge eating. So what's more rewarding is people who say, I read your book and got this out of it. Because it's the book is about overcome binge eating, but it's not about the food. A lot of people think binge eating is about the food. Well, no, it's not. It's actually about the mood. It's about the mindset. It's about the reason why they eat. And so we have lots of exercises in there as well as sharing our story. So it's very much when a person comes back and read the book and go, wow, that exercise there just transformed my life. It just really helped. That's more rewarding than 10 awards, you know. So, but yes, it's it's great for marketing. (laughs) Yeah, it affords you Correct. a lot of credibility too, right? That's Correct, which is yeah. huge. So, what's the title of the book, and what was the inspiration? So, it's called writing? Eating Secrets: <laughs> The Ultimate Guide to Overcome <laughs> The Ultimate Guide to Take Control and Overcome Binging and Sabotage. So, basically, the secrets is like if you're a binge eater, you eat secretly. You basically, you know, you sort of hiding things under the garbage so people can't see it, yeah. and you don't when no one else is around. And it was. Myself and another therapist decided we'd met together years beforehand at one of the trainings and we kind of connected and we always thought we'd work together. So we started this project and we both found out we had similar stories in relation to that. And a lot of it all comes down to self-love, not loving and accepting themselves. So you turn to food to soothe. You over-exercise, you do all these other different things. And we just was working with a coach and decided this was the book we're going to write and we put our hearts and soul into it. And there's a lot of, because I've got lots of modalities, she's got lots of modalities. So between the two of us, the techniques we've got in there are like a a mix of every different thing that we've learned that could actually help someone in the moment. Reading a book won't change your life. It it will change your life, but it won't transform all the reasons why you do it. It will give you some techniques to help you in the moment, but you still have to do the hard work to actually let go of the reasonings, the beliefs, those triggers of the traumas that have happened in your life to actually get to that point to use food. Because food is just a thing that you've used to feel what you want to feel. Because in that moment when you're eating, you feel good about yourself. But as soon as you stop, you feel shit again. Yeah, It'll inspire you to know that it's possible or what's possible, but it's about doing the work. It always comes down to doing the work. And some people can read a book and do the work. If they're, if they're yeah. self-motivated, they can actually do it. The book will give them a lot of the skills. But the problem is, and I've learned myself, I need someone to work with to actually help keep me accountable. So that's the right. thing. Just reading a book will give you transform- Will can give you transformation, but if you're strong enough to do the work on your own. Karen, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I think it's the fact that I am quite intuitive. I learned that through all the woo-woo stuff I did as well. <laughs> channeling and all that sort of stuff. So I am quite intuitive. I'm very 
the person who will actually get you. Like I'm quite calming. People seem love to talk to me. They feel comfortable talking to me and actually letting out their secrets. And I think that to me, that drives a big way because if I feel comfortable with someone and they feel comfortable with me, you're actually going to trust them with what's going on for you and not be afraid to let out those little secrets that you've been holding back. And I'm a very open person as well too. So I will tell people what's going on for me and how I'm hurting or whatever. Like I don't just keep it all and keep all this professional is I'm saying, Oh, I can't let people know that I'm, I've been through anything. That's not bullshit. People want to see the real you. So I'm the real me and allows them, I think to be the real, real. Again, it, it's a permission slip Correct. for them. How do you define success? What does that word mean to you? Success is just feeling good and feeling like my, one of my, my top values is enjoy life. So If I have a good time with my friends, if I have a good time at work, if I see my clients having transformations, that's success. (laughs) Yeah. And and let's face it, we're on this earth to enjoy ourselves as well. So that's right. Life is short. We have a finite amount of time here. So why the fuck do we want to enjoy? And so there's no point getting caught up in, I need to make more money. I need to do this. As long as you have the funds to do what you need to do, as long as you have the joy in your heart in what you're doing, then you're a success. So simple. Beautiful. (laughs) What is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? I think because I learned at such a young age that finding the gift in things and that obviously later in age would be that I am good enough. I am worthy. I am smart. I am amazing. I'm Wonder Woman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think I even did a feeling with me, you know, with a little super cape on. <laughs> I think, yeah, just when you believe in yourself and believe that you can do anything, and don't get me wrong, I fuck things up. <laughs> but when you believe in yourself, you can do anything. You can do anything you put your heart, your mind to and your heart to. So, yeah, yeah. there's times where you don't want to do anything, Love and that's fine as well. Yeah, for sure. What does the word empowerment mean to you? So the word empowerment just means to feel like you have control of who you are and you feel solid in yourself and you feel like you can take on, you can be superwoman, you can take on the world and stuff can happen, but you deal with it and you don't need to get all caught up in the oh me, why me sort of thing. You can, And if you do, you move on from that very quickly because we all have times where you just want to sit on the couch and eat chocolate. So that's okay. You can do that. But empowerment just means that you just pick yourself up, but not through trying to be strong, not by trying to do things. You do it just naturally because you get past that. And when people can do that, they're empowered. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions, just be one, two, three word answer type thing. Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? I would say I'm caring. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? To love themselves. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Someone who loves life and enjoys life. What is one of your favorite quotes? The answer starts within. The answer comes from within. But that one actually came from my boss. I call it the perfect power method. Always start with the answer and the answer comes within is what I added to it. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? I love the way I am about life, the way I enjoy life, and the way I have this ability to turn things into gifts. That's a beautiful Mm. skill set for sure. What never fails to make you laugh? (laughs) My partner. (laughs) 
<laughs> we always hang shit on each other and just good times with friends and family. And if you really hear me laugh, everyone else laughs. I have one of those infectious laughs when I really let it go. That concludes our rapid fire <laughs> section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What challenge in your life has shaped you the most? Obviously living alone at 15 was the big thing and going through those losses. And then having gone through that at such a young age, it allowed me to be who I am and then sort of learning more about it as I got older, then going through cancer and going through cancer, feeling that it is a gift. It was a big thing. So it's, it's, life is about a whole lot of lessons. It's not just one lesson. You're always going to go through things that will go, ah, oh, and you learn off that last lesson and then it transforms what you do in this lesson. But you'll always, always be learning. Life is about learning new things. So I can't put it down to just one, but probably the big thing would be back at the age of 15. What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everybody should learn at some point in their lives? That you can deal with anything that comes pie. You are strong enough. You are amazing that you can actually find the answers from within and that you can find a gift in everything in life. What's something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? That I'm resilient, that I am strong. <laughs> I see it is. I told you, I'm a superwoman. <laughs> I love it. I love it. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? That's easy. My mum. I lost her when I was 30 and it was very sudden. So to sit down for an hour with her now, it would be even bring up emotion for me now as well too it would be amazing too even though we were like really good friends obviously being left alone at 15 had a great relationship with mum and when she moved up to the country she moved into a pub like she leased a pub with one of her brothers and one of her sisters so again amazing but the, when she went it was so sudden I'd never got to say goodbye and I kind of regret even sometimes the last conversation I was moving units was like oh this is happening I've got to run and that was the last conversation and, and you, you wonder did I say I love you did I say I love you? I'm pretty sure I did because we always ended our conversation with I love you. You just have to yes, believe yeah. you did. So I still I do do that. But, yes, a, a conversation with my mum to sit down for an hour, if longer would be even better, to just go through things. Yeah. Beautiful. But you know what, though? I th I've thought about that too because I lost my grandmother and then I lost my father a year and a half later. And I think about that and it's like this question, who would you sit down with for an hour? But an hour would Correct. never be enough. It just wouldn't. Yeah. It just, you'd have that hour and you'd want more. No. It's not enough. Correct. And uh, a, a day wouldn't be long enough. You know? <laughs> but but no. then. Because you just yeah. want them back. But then if I look at the gift of things, I have a lot of uh, friends whose parents are now needing them and they're starting to go through places where they need to go into nursing homes and they've got Alzheimer's and all those sort of things. And I don't have to deal with that. So my gift is I don't have that pain of dealing through that, seeing them go down and diminish because I've lost everyone so quickly. So when my father died, he was sick and had cancer and I didn't understand, but mum and my brother did because I was only 10. So as far as I was concerned, it was quick. Then Graham was bang overnight. And then mum, again, same thing. I got a phone call saying she fell off the chair and she died instantly. She had a heart attack. So I didn't have to go through the pain of seeing your family or your mother or your father go down this road of not knowing who they were, not knowing who you were. So the gift of uh -huh. that is I don't have that pain. I think the other gift is to be grateful for the time mm -hmm. you had with them because there are a lot of people who didn't have the amount of time Correct. with yeah. their parents 
or with their loved ones. So I think we have to, it's just, again, it's about Correct. reframing and tweaking yeah. that mindset to look at the gift. And, the, and the kind of relationship you had as well too. So the relationship yeah, with my mother, sure. you know, as much as you say, like obviously 15 being left alone, that made my relationship with my mother very, very strong. And of course I didn't have to live with her. So that made it even stronger. <laughs> It's all about how you frame it. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what mm. would that piece of advice be? That just to believe in yourself and that things happen for a reason and that you can come through. You are strong. You are amazing. You are superwoman. <laughs> last, Karen, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? It would be no matter what you've been through you can transform that. You can look within and find the answers and find a way to find that gift. You have the power within you. You're here for a reason. You're here to make a difference to yourself and to others. And just let all that shit go and love yourself. You know, enjoy life. That's what this life's all about, to love yourself and to love everyone else around you and just go out there and live. Stop holding on to all the stuff that's happened. Just let it go. It's so easy to just let it go and move on and then live. Karen, thank you so much. You are a beautiful gift to the world, to your clients. And I am so grateful to be connected to you and to be able to call you a friend and just keep shining that bright, beautiful light you have within you out into the world. You are so inspiring. And I just want to say thank you for taking and making the time to be here with me today and sharing your story, your journey, you. your struggles, and the beautiful light you put out into the world through the work you do. I thank you so you. much for having me. And I appreciate what you do for the world out there, you know, band in there for women. You, you're absolutely awesome. It's amazing to see <laughs> someone who's not afraid <laughs> of strong women because you talk thank to a lot you. of strong women. So I love it. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. Once again, my name is Brad Welsh, host of your Empowerography podcast today. My guest has been Karen DeMall. She is a multi-award winning author, a speaker, and an empowerment expert specializing in loss and trauma. Thank you, Karen. I hope you have an amazing you. rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.